All right. So this is our second episode of The Space in Between. I'm Phoebe from Nomad, always at home. And we have this episode this week with Jessica. And she was on last week interviewing me about my space in between, where we share the journey of Nomad and how it came to be and what this space in between is all about. So stay tuned after this episode or go back and listen to it now and come back here. (laughs) Uh, But yes, you definitely want to hear about that. And this week, again, this will be Jessica's story about her space in between. So she shares her journey about um, her life through the military and her her, uh, journey through recovery and what she's doing now, now with Nomad and one being uh, an organization that we're now beginning with another Nomad teacher, Amy, and myself, um, Tribe. So we teach resilience, increased balance, and endurance. And this is bringing the tools of yoga to the military. And um, our next teacher training for for the military is coming up in January at West Point. So if you are part of the military community, you could be a spouse, you could be a veteran, you could be active duty. Um, if you're interested in bringing these tools to the community, definitely reach out and visit us over at Nomad Always at Home. You can learn about Tribe, um, our Nomad teacher training there. And um, any other offerings that we have, we have so much going on and stay tuned after this episode and I'll tell you a little bit more of what's happening in Nomadland. So enjoy this episode with Jessica and me. Hello friends. So we have Jess back. Hi everyone. <laughs> so I'm not going to name this podcast yet because I'm not sure which number we're going to release it as, but... We have Jess back. Jess um, interviewed me for the first podcast, our podcast number one. And we have her back to share her story today. And um, yeah, is there anything you want to say before you dive in? No, I think I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah. And so we were discussing in the first podcast, in case you haven't heard any of them before, but this is basically our space in between of sharing our stories of um, those moments, those kind of rock bottom moments or those moments of major transition or feeling lost and, and, you know, how we have surrendered to that space in between and and transformed from that experience. And one of the ways in that we're sharing through this story is allowing ourselves to write a letter to, like a, what I'm saying, a letter's never sent, right? So um, you wrote a letter to? Myself. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's called Looking Into the Mirror. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive into All it right. if you're ready. Dear sweet girl, it's okay to cry. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to talk about this. It's okay to say you are angry. It's okay to be what you are right now. It's okay. As you are looking up at your purple clouds from your bed with the sun shining in through your windows and the silence wisping you away on the clouds, know you have this feeling and this moment of peace with you all days. Close your eyes and be still. You are there now, and you can go there later. This is your peace, and you can allow yourself to rest. 
Allow your mind to rest, allow it to race, allow it to jump up and down, allow it to be what it wants to be. Process your thoughts. They are yours and yours alone. You are the beholder of your truth and you possess the powers within to shift your days. Look within the mirror and know you are not alone. This peace resonates within you, within the animals you love so dear. It resonates within that dogwood tree upon your hill at your house that you sit under. And it fills that little helicopter leaf that you play with and those roses that you smell in your yard. The peace flows through the water in your pool that you swim in and through the air as you swing on your swing set. The more you see this peace, the more you feel this peace. The more you think this peace and the more you shine this peace. You are okay. You are not less, nor are you greater than. You are just right. Just like <laughs> the three little pigs <clears throat> that you read. There is no need to compete with anyone for the best of whatever. What you are and what you have and what your talents give you are beautiful. Smile and laughter fill you up, so do them often. You listen well to others. Remember, listen to yourself. Think when it's hard, maybe it's not right. Think, what am I feeling? Go back to those purple clouds and know it's okay to feel what you think and what you feel. Don't run, it's okay. Don't hide, it's okay. You are not alone. Remember the peace, those purple clouds. This is your father, your creator. This is your universe with you, never leaving you, always with you. You are okay. Go back to the autumn days, sitting on the tree limb in the backyard. Go back to hearing the leaves rustle beneath you on the ground and in the trees. Go back to the sway of the trees as the wind blew. Feel the freedom, feel the confidence, feel the truth. This is your comfort and you always have this. Remember feeling the sun on your arm with the windows down as you drove the country roads in North Carolina. Remember hearing the music soften, soften your mind as you rode around. You are okay, you are safe. You got through all those things, you are not alone. Don't be alone, don't push, don't leave, stay. Look in the mirror and see the beautiful being inside. You are a beautiful being of peace and love. You are okay. Beautiful. Ode to me. <laughs> so, um, who is this little girl? <sighs> well, you know, I read your letter that you wrote, that you read <laughs> after, um, basically after I had given you what I thought that I would speak about. And I recognized that, um, you know, we all have these moments that we hold on to that are so impactful that the people that are involved in them may not even recognize how impactful they are in our lives. And this little girl was someone who <clears throat> was um, taking care of someone and everyone. <laughs> um, and 
she had a solution then, you know, and her, um, her solution was, well, she didn't really recognize that she had a very holistic solution at the time. Um, but, uh, she ran away from her own feelings and, um, she took care of other people. Mm -hmm. She tried to cradle them when things were not going right, particularly, you know, my brother, um, I grew up in a very dysfunctional home mm -hmm. and um, there wasn't alcohol or drugs, but uh, there was a lot of control and manipulation. And um, <clears throat> my parents, the reason that they were meant to meet was to create my brother and I. Mm -hmm. That really was it. <laughs> um, and I knew, you know, you had spoken in your letter about wanting the police to come and arrest your dad and mm. like you knowing that that was just wrong behavior. And I remember the moment that my mom told me we were in her car in the driveway and she had just gotten a part-time job and, um, and we were like, she had picked me up from school and, you know, we were in the driveway and she said um, <clears throat> to me, don't worry, we're leaving soon. Mm. And I knew, I was just like, okay, great. And I'm sure my mom was thinking that this is the reaction I get. Okay, mm. well, this is easy, you know, to say we're leaving, you know, I'm divorcing. Um, but I knew it wasn't my parents. I had that wisdom. Thankfully, I was like given that wisdom to know that um, it wasn't me. Yeah. Um, How old were them. you? Um, I was... 10 when they actually separated. Okay. And that's when she said, we're leaving soon? Uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and my brother's five years apart, and so he was five. And there was, you know, there was violence and verbal abuse. And um, so, you know, I was thinking back to when this behavior of not looking in the mirror and the behavior of running away because... <clears throat> So what I'm saying to myself here, if you already didn't recognize it, <laughs> is that it's okay. You, you can feel what you want because yeah. that's what's true. That's what's going on. You don't have to hide from it. Um, because I never knew how to um, deal with my emotions. I did not have tools. And, um, you know, thinking back to some of the first traumatic moments and it was between my mom and dad and they were like fighting over me kind of mm. and literally and figuratively and they're um, physically fighting yes okay. and I was being held at one point like by each of them like no you can't leave but using me as like a um, pawn yeah <laughs> exactly yeah mm. and um <clears throat> and um so you know, it was fight or flight. And I continued to live that way for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And um, at times of my life, I had these meditative moments, you know, that I spoke about. Um, there literally were purple clouds painted on my ceiling in my room. Mm, um, I was wondering that yeah, imagery. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I when I first read this and hearing you also read it just now, I almost felt like you were guiding us through a meditation. <laughs> that first, you know, looking up at the purple clouds on your bed and the sun shining through and close your eyes and be still and you are there now and really taking us to that place. And yeah, it was almost like you were 
guiding your younger self through a meditation. And I, um, and I had these moments too, when I was younger, of like meditating before I knew what that word was. <laughs> um, it's almost like your future self right here, actually the future, the being you here now, the present self was calling out and leading a meditation to your past self, this little girl, <clears throat> you know, it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and man, these tools that are just so accessible to us, yoga um, and all of what yoga is, not the physical (laughs) portion of it. Um, We have it always with us and we have more of it with us than we even know, than I think that we recognize that we're capable of, you know, really... We ha- just have the tools to heal ourselves. Mm-hmm. I really believe that. Um, it's intuitive. Oh, yeah. totally. Um, and I knew it then, you know, I knew it then. And somewhere along the way in the space between these moments, so these moments are moments that I was healing myself. And um, somewhere I lost myself, you know, I think I... Um, in what way? I lost... Um, the um, the reflection, like to be able to be still and to reflect and um, to not be afraid of the silence. <clears throat> um, I think <clears throat> that's what I lost. I, I really continued moving, moving, moving and going from one thing to the next and... Um, covering, you know, things up and uh, just not being able to sit. That's, you know, how I kind of lost myself. Um, I was not, I would go through something, whatever it was, good, bad, or indifferent. And then I never reflected on that experience Mm -hmm. and how that affected me. Um, And I would, I just was like, holding onto a a kite, you know, and it lifted me off the ground. My feet weren't planted. I had no foundation. I was not grounded at all for many, many, many years. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, and do you feel like you were grounded, like, or not grounded rather, was that one of your ways of survival? Um, That was turning, that was, well, I guess I'm, yeah, maybe you'll, say that um I guess I'm thinking of like sometimes we do things that we wouldn't I can't remember when you said this I heard you say this or I read it somewhere that you said this um but you were saying like you didn't know who that person was Mm -hmm. you know looking back at your Mm -hmm. past your past self you didn't even recognize because you would have never made that choice Mm -hmm. but you made that choice to survive you know in that time and space Mm -hmm. And now you make a different choice, right? Mm -hmm. Here now, you made a different choice. So it is interesting to look back at perspective of of not being grounded, like you just said. And and maybe that was what was necessary. Because if you had been grounded in the reality of your parents literally fighting over you, Mm -hmm. and the reality of that was too traumatizing, too shocking, um, maybe you had, that was your defense mechanism. Sure. Yeah, I did. I found <clears throat> I found a lot of solutions 
at the time. Yeah. Solutions to the superficial, mm-hmm. um, what was going on superficially. But um, I never had anything that would bring me back to myself. Um, so I was kind of like fleeing from one thing to the next. And mm-hmm. um, if that makes any sense. And um, yeah. Okay. Was um, there, I mean, was this letter, uh, did you have a specific time in mind or was this just your general experience um, as a child or was there like a specific night there were, or day you were thinking of when you wrote this letter? Um, <clears throat> no, I think it was, um, I think, so the letter was written to me when around the time of the experience with my parents when things were, um, their interactions were um, very hostile, very toxic. Um, And I would take my brother um, and we'd go and hide. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I was able to do that and I was able to be a young child as well. And, but I also found this peace Mm -hmm. that I had and, so the letter, yeah, was to me then just to remind me without saying it word for word of these practices. Um, I think <clears throat> when I left high school and went away to college and I was on my own, I kind of had just the, I think that's when things kind of changed and going back to what you had said, um, thinking back to that person that I was and not even recognizing that person. Um, That started when I went into college, I think, Um, maybe a little before that, you know, because um, uh, maybe a little bit before that. um, But I didn't have any, I just didn't have tools to deal with what was going on in my head. Mm. And somehow I lost that um, innocence to, uh, or I lost my intuition, not the innocence, but I lost that intuition. It was turned down. The volume was turned way down. Yeah, because it's been there the whole time. I mean, as you were saying before, like you were in these meditative states as a Mm -hmm. child, but it is, it's something that we all go through. I mean, when we're a child, we, we know a lot. We're so intuitive. I mean, mm-hmm. you knew, like you said, you <clears throat> knew when your mom said, we're going to leave here soon, you didn't react because you already knew that that mm-hmm. was to be true. You already felt that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what you're saying is when you got older, you turned that down. And I think a lot of us do that, right? I think it comes from the pain, mm-hmm. you know, not wanting to deal with that. Mm-hmm. of knowing, um, also society too, and just life distractions as we get older. Um, yeah. And we have our own shit, <laughs> mm-hmm. not just like mm-hmm. our parents and our family stuff, but now we're out in the world and doing our best and getting layered of, you know, all this other crap on top of us. Right. Um, so we have to, you know, go to these tools of like what keeps us safe and, like what we talked about in my podcast of being ignorant to ourself mm-hmm. in some way. Um, 
And that's uh, and that's a great segue to what I wanted to say. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we did not plan that. <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, yeah, I awakened. Like, I um, woke up, uh, you know, in January of uh, slowly began to uh, wake up in January of 2017. And mm. <clears throat> um, really, truly, I had started a, a health... Um, journey a couple years prior to that. Um, and, and I'll back up, but in a moment, um, but I began to like kind of have sort of, let's say an out about experience looking at myself, Mm -hmm. you know, by looking in the mirror, like literally and figuratively and seeing like, Whoa, who is this person that I stand that, you know, is standing before me reflecting, like, who is that? I couldn't believe myself. Um, I, uh, I really think, so I, just a short background, um, went away to college, um, that was four hours away and, um, you know, my parents blessed them for all the money that they spent on me, but I spent about two years there and really didn't, didn't bring home any credit hours. You know, <laughs> I was just like, um, smoking a lot and doing other random college things and, um, (laughs) just not doing what I was supposed to do. So I had come home and, um, still dragging my feet and, uh, anyhow, I had like boyfriend, you know, that was that I had a boyfriend for four and a half years. That was completely toxic, um, Mm -hmm. for us both, um, probably me more than him, but, uh, anyhow, I ended up joining the military and, um, that was, uh, there were a lot of amazing things that happened in the military, but then there were lots of um, traumas that occurred too. And, and were, throughout, sorry, were yeah. you, did you come from a military family? Um, n- not like um, my, you know, my main unit. No, my dad or mom, not military so, grandparents. Okay. And so what, um, what pulled you to the military? It was always something that I wanted to do. I went to a private Catholic school most of my life until the last three years. And um, there was ROTC in high school where I finished um, at a public school. And I didn't participate in it, but it was just something I'd always wanted to do. I actually had applied to the Air Force and Naval Academy and went through the process of going and uh, ended up getting selected to uh, their junior college. Okay. And, um, so when things, when I was reaching what I thought at the time was my rock bottom, which it wasn't, um, you had further to go, further to go. (laughs) Um, great. Yeah, I know. Um, this was in 2005 is when I joined the army, but I have to, I would be like remiss if I didn't say that, uh, my brother graduated from high school in 2005 and upon graduation from high school, he went into the Marine Reserves. Okay. And following his, your footsteps in a way? Or? No, I hadn't gone in yet. Oh, yeah. Oh, so okay. He yeah. had. Oh, he did first. He went okay, to his boot camp on um, Paris Island. And when I went to the graduation, I just, you know, I knew it. I had toyed around with enlisting when I like dropped out of, quote unquote, dropped out of college. And, you know, okay. I would go talk to recruiters and... Um, I just couldn't sign up. I couldn't do it. I'd ask a zillion questions. And for a couple months, you know, around the time that I would talk to them, you know, I'd tell my parents, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'm like, no, I can't 
can't do it. <laughs> but anyhow, so yeah, I, I so he joined. did it, and you were like, okay, let's do this. Yeah, okay. I just always wanted to give back to you know the freedom that I'm enjoying. So I know that sounds a little cliche, but it's the truth. Mm. And I had realized in 2005 too that I wanted to be in the healthcare field. Specifically, I w- thought I wanted to go to medical school, but I never had really a job and I knew my parents were not going to support me any longer and I knew I just couldn't do it on my own. So Mm. why not go in? I went in as a medic, gain experience and then go to school. Cool. Yeah. So that's what I, that's what I did. And yeah. um, Yeah. I think so when I was leaving active duty in 2011, um, yeah, you were saying before that you were you had hit a rock bottom. Yeah, before I joined the army. Okay, is and that what you're? I wasn't sure where, you were, where you're going. Well, I thought I had you know hit a rock bottom because here I was. It was 2005. I graduated high school in 2000, so I was okay. comparing myself, right? Instead Got of it. trying to identify with people, and I'm like, oh, I don't have a college degree. I don't have you're, money yeah. in my bank account. Um, yeah, that was exactly. <laughs> that's what the twenties are all societal. about, anyways. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my gosh, it's just about messing up. A but bit. I think back to that person, and I'm just like, I had no regard for anyone else mm. but myself. But you know what? You had to do that because what you were saying as a child, you were sort of making decisions based on other people, right? Mm-hmm you know, hiding your, you and your, your brother in the closet and like watching over him too. And, Mm -hmm. and when you finally went to college or, you know, dropped out of college or whatever, Mm -hmm. like those were your decisions, you know, nobody, Mm -hmm. you didn't have to make a decision about anybody else. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that was, you know, looking back, you're feeling like, oh, I was so reckless, but maybe you just had to be because you were so controlled up until then, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and it's interesting that you decided to go into the military. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. That's that, that's just so interesting to me to kind of bring you back into that um, place of, or like actually giving you probably order you didn't ever have. Mm-hmm. It definitely- To a certain extent. Yes, it yeah. definitely gave me- it gave Purpose me and, that absolutely, and then I needed to kind of get out of that. Yeah. <laughs> Once I, you know, I think gained my confidence and you know recognized yeah. that I can do this yeah. without. I don't need to, um, to have this establishment, um, you know, put me, put me in these places. I can do this all on my mm. own too. Yeah, and so you were saying, um, you started to say, and I, I apologize, I cut you off, but you were saying when you were in the military, you had some trauma. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, I would say that, um, so there, you know, there was trauma leading up to it too. Um, I think, I don't know, I feel that everybody probably has trauma in their life, but mm-hmm. so the, you know, the domestic violence within my family. And then there was some sexual trauma, um, before the military and in the military, Mm the, the traumas of, um, well being in the military, the military life that can be, um, very, (laughs) you know, the man is telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so we could talk about that forever. That's a whole other podcast. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Um, but again, I, when I ended up having some more sexual traumas, um, I ended up getting married, 
um, and divorced and there was domestic violence there. Mm. I went to war two times. Yeah. Was, where were you? I was in Iraq for 15 months. Okay. Um, and I was there for a full 12 months and did not, you know, come wow. home. Yeah. Um, but a total of 15 months and then Afghanistan for 365 days. Wow. I just have to say that cause it was a full month as well or a full year as yeah. well. Um, <clears throat> And I had some really cool experiences. Mm -hmm. I truly did. Um, my leadership, so it, very different experiences, I'll, I'll say. In Iraq, um, my, my time was um, supported by a commander that, she was a woman, and she believed that, you know, we could do, she wasn't a feminist, so to mm, speak, but okay. she also believed in equality. And um, so... I was, I ended up being with a field artillery unit. And so now, nowadays there's all the talk about, you know, women going through the Rangers or women's uh, being in these combat MOSs. Well, we've been in these positions. <laughs> we just haven't had those names. Got it. Right. Um, like, oh yeah, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. yeah that's something that happens in a lot of different yeah. areas of life. Yes. <laughs> and, but as a medic, you know, in Iraq, yeah. I was a part of a lot of different things. Um, my very first time outside on a mission, I had a mass casualty experience wow. and I did have an out of body, out of body experience. So I guess I was awakening a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, a moment of not wanting to be in this very moment, yeah. but then thankfully, because our military is so phenomenally trained mm -hmm. that you just go back to your practices, mm -hmm. um, which is probably why actually now drawing these two together, mm -hmm. which is probably, probably why the military was so great for me because I constantly practiced over and over again. And then here telling myself to go back to those things that, you know, that mm -hmm. feed you so well, you know? And you can be successful, whatever that looks like for you. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and you know, I was on various different teams um, that did a lot of um, missions, um, catastrophic kill teams where you'd go and um, pick up remains. Wow. Um, worked at a um, a level two hospital, which would receive casualties and then basically get them stable and then send them off. Okay. Um, yeah, I did a lot of different things there. Um, and my ex-husband, we were not married at the time, but he was deployed there too. Okay. Um, so we saw each other quite frequently. Um, and then my deployment to Afghanistan um, was much different. Um, it was a very challenging environment. I was, again, one of like three women out of 500 men. Wow. Um, and another field artillery unit that I found myself in. Wow. Um, and now I was a leader and not just a soldier. And so I had lots of responsibilities and people to take care of. And um, so, you know, th that... The military was good, but it was also bad for me because that whole, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, <laughs> that just continued. My, yeah. That story continued. Yeah. So I get, did not process anything. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I ended up having kind of a nervous breakdown when I was in Afghanistan. Okay. Um, not many people know about that, but um, thankfully I worked with the doctor so I could go and say, okay. I'm 
like flipping out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What did, do you mind if you share like what that looked like? Yeah, I know. Cause I feel like they break, break downs. I call them breakthroughs mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. look different on everybody. Um, yeah, it was, um, a, I was having a lot of God moments as I call them. Um, so by this time, my ex-husband and I were still married, but we had been separated. Okay. Um, and um, we stayed married really for monetary purposes um, throughout the deployment. Um, the field artillery unit that I went to, he was with, but he was at a different camp. Okay. Um, but I would have to interact with him from time to time. And um, I had met my now husband um, before this deployment. And so... We were not together at all during the deployment, but, um, you know, had communication. Well, anyhow, I had this, you know, this, this person that was, um, I had these two men basically, um, and I had God and I had, you know, here I'm at war and I'm being told, um, by my ex-husband, you know, I think this is just God, like really trying to test our marriage and, Mm. um, you know, just see how strong and how bonded we can be. And, and that he believe that or no, that was a bit of manipulation, total manipulation. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that really got into my head, totally got into my head. And, um, so anyhow, I just had no one to talk to, absolutely mm. no one to talk to. Um, all the women that, you know, the other two women that were on that camp, it's yeah. just, one was Intel working all the time and um, we had different kind of like shifts, if you will. And then one of them was my soldier and can't talk to her. Yeah. And, um, it's just a divide. You can't talk about still being married, but still, but being in love with someone else in the military, that's like (laughs) not acceptable. And I wasn't going to talk to my parents about it when I could talk to them. It was, I was all alone. I was in my head and typically being in my head was okay. Yeah. I could just move, continue to move. Wow. But I couldn't any longer. I literally had no place to move. I actually... I purchased a yoga mat when I was in Afghanistan. Whoa, there are yoga mats in Afghanistan. No, I purchased it online, <laughs> as I did many other things. I spent a lot of money that deployment. Oh. <laughs> um, but yes, I purchased Retail a, a yoga mat, and um, I didn't know yoga. Um, huh. What called you? What's what's uh, I needed a place to stretch my body near my like own little area that was mine okay my bed and I did a lot of like ab workouts on it and Mm -hmm. I guess Pilates like stuff um and I would sit and write you know on it and um but so what happened was I thought I was going to die like every night um for a couple months when I would go to bed I thought I just wasn't going to wake up I thought I wow I I was having panic attacks at night when I was by myself sitting still, you know, so I couldn't go back to those purple clouds. There was like, that was not a thought in my mind at all. Yeah. Um, I just continually played these stories over and over in my head and was so scared to go to sleep, was so scared that I wasn't gonna, that I, I 
had to think about breathing, and wow. you know, yeah, and it just um, things just kind of came to a head, and um, after exercise, believe it or not, I was on the telephone. I had this like little cell phone that sometimes worked, and I was talking to my now husband and just said, I, I, you know, I have to go, I have to go, I have to go. I think I'm having a uh, anxiety attack and, um, went running into the aid station. Thankfully, none of my soldiers were there, but the doctor gave me Valium and I was a zombie for like the next 18 hours and mm. went back to my bed and slept. And that was probably the first time that I slept in a long time. Wow. And, um, yeah, that was, that was, I mean, that was a nerve, that was a nervous breakdown for me. Totally. Yeah. And did you, because you were able to sleep, did you, were you able to get back on track or were, you, were the panic attacks continuing on mm. in some way? They, yeah, I think they, I think I was able to get back on track be, because that kind of woke me up and I said, holy crap, um, yeah. I have to get through the remaining like three, four months that I had left yeah. there. Oh, wow. You still um, have that much time. Yeah. I think it was yeah. three months. Um, and yeah, so I had to, I had to get back on the horse. Yeah. And back I, up. I did. I did. And so when I got back from Afghanistan, which is in March of 2010, um, no, 2011, um, I got back and had to make a decision about the army. Was I staying in or was I um, leaving? Because I signed a six-year contract. Okay. And a lot of great opportunities were coming my way. But in order for me to know that I would be safe and my my now husband would be safe um, with our relationship... Um, and again, remember, it took me so long to sign up for the military in the first mm -hmm. place that I said, okay, I'm just leaving. Okay. And right around the time I made that decision is when my stepfather um, abruptly passed away. And oh. I think that that was... And you were close with him? I was very... He was my go-to. He was... Mm. I didn't tell him about that, about the... Um, the pull on my heart between my ex-husband and my now husband, you know, what really helped me go into my nervous breakdown um, I told him about it, a lot of other things though, you know, he was my person. Um, mm. he gave me the confidence, you know, when I didn't have it and he, um, you know, he, he was that, um, for me. And, um, he used to always say to me like water on a duck's back, you know, it just comes right off. So never mm -hmm. get too happy and never get too yeah, sad. And equanimity. Exactly. And that's what I always try to maintain. But so when I decided to leave the army then and um, in July, he um, passed away and um, I really didn't have a plan when I left the army. I knew I was coming down to West Point and I knew that um, I had a reserve unit to go to and um, I didn't have a plan for school. I had money saved, a significant amount of money saved up in the bank and thought, okay, I'll just figure it out. And, um, well, I ended up, um, uh, getting on to an active duty tour with the reserves that lasted one year, but, um, you know, and I did some other things, but essentially, um, I still just had no tools and I ended up, um, using substance abuse to really get me through the next, I'd say six years. Okay. Um, and, 
any part of that awakening that I may have had at that moment, you know, in Afghanistan, when I really had that breakdown, I chose to kind of close that door. So I didn't take that as Mm -hmm. an opportunity of growth and an opportunity to really change. I just continued to sweep everything underneath the rug. And um, so, yeah, for six years, I continued to struggle, really suffering. Yeah. I mean, I obviously, I didn't know you then, but Mm -hmm. knowing, you know, other people who have dealt with trauma and, and, and also, you know, go through their own substance abuse of like, again, you had tools. You you said, I didn't Mm -hmm. have the tools. You did have tools. Mm -hmm. You were just choosing not to use them. And it wasn't like, I'm not going to use these. I'll throw them out the window. It was just that for that time and space, you had to go through that. And maybe it was substance abuse that like numbed you to a certain extent, but you probably, you might've felt like you deserved it Mm -hmm. and you were giving yourself that like place. You know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, I know that there's, you know, survivor's guilt of, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. in the military, that's a huge thing Mm -hmm. of like you left, you know, you left this, you know, career, this path, right. Mm -hmm. And you don't know where to go. And maybe you had a little bit of guilt there and you just lost somebody that you, your go-to person you just said. And, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we do have to go down that dark rabbit hole and, Mm In order for you to wake up, because here you are now. Yes, here I am. And I wonder if that version of Jess in 2011, where you just came home and maybe you didn't go down the dark rabbit hole and you just were like, okay, like maybe you go to therapy and maybe you just like get a regular job and you deal with it on some of a sort of a surface level. Mm -hmm. But you let yourself go down dark. And I'm not suggesting anybody who's listening <laughs> to this to like, hey, let's right. go down this dark rabbit hole and see if where it takes If you have substance me. abuse yeah. issues, please contact. <laughs> but you know what? It, you went there and now you're on the other side of mm-hmm. it. And so it's a lot easier for us to sit here and say that. Sure. Um, you know, and, and I said in the last podcast about my father too is, you know, he lived... He lived in hell for, I mean, at least from the time he got home from Vietnam, which is like 69, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't remember exactly 70. I don't Mm -hmm. remember when he got home Um, until, you know, the early 2000s, he was living in hell Mm -hmm. and he was living in hell because he had severe PTSD, but he was taking himself deeper and deeper, deeper with Mm -hmm. substance abuse. Mm -hmm. It's like, he didn't know what else to do. And Mm -hmm. for you too, it's like, you didn't know what else to do there were tools there but it was like they were just not you were not able to get to them yeah until you really went down there and Mm -hmm. it was like completely dark and you're like okay where's the light Mm -hmm. and oh here's this tool oh let me you know let me take this little tool of being mindful or changing my diet or going to, you know, meditation. What's this yoga mat that I have or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. These little tools were just like your nuggets right? that were, you know, leading you the on this seeds. path. Yeah. The yeah. seeds um, were starting to take you out of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I think everything really is as it should be. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's um, interesting how life is like that. Yeah, there were a lot of 
good moments along the way too. Um, and you know, a lot of, uh, accolades I earned, um, throughout the six years that were, that were also Mm -hmm. very dark, but I mean, I was the Hudson Valley volunteer firefighter of the year, you know, because of something. And, you know, going back to the military, it's coming up. This is the second time in the last 24 hours that I think I, I should just say this out loud. There is guilt. There's definitely guilt. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I earned a bronze star for actions, um, in a particular conflict. And, you know, I was, um, at a, a meeting in recovery and a uh, gentleman, the topic was shame and guilt. What a great topic for where I'm yeah. at in my healing process. And for us right now too, talking about this and a gentleman who had also was in the military talking about how he didn't bring someone home and, explaining that that was like guilt and that, that no matter how much you work on that, that he believes, and he's an older gentleman, you know, I think it was actually in Vietnam too, um, that he's worked a long time at letting go of that, Mm -hmm. but that's something very deep and has a lot of attachments. Um, so yeah, he's still working on it. I do think that, um, the working with the military, kind of like yeah. the work that we're doing now, yeah, is really helping with healing, yeah, and letting go of that guilt. Um, well, that's what, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Is but you had to go through all of that so you can really speak to that right. population, right? Yeah, just to highlight some things that happened that I have overcome. I mean, geez, the you know I gained over. I have lost, so I weighed 190, almost 195 pounds in 2016. It's 2018 now. I have lost, so that was 195. I'm 130, we'll round down to 35 just to give you that round number there. (laughs) Um, But And I've done it in a healthy manner, right? Um, So my lifestyle has completely shifted. Um, I never had any... um, I had didn't practice mindfulness in any area truly of my life. And now it's, you know, upon waking, I yeah. have an intention for practically every moment of my life. Sometimes I don't like that, yeah. you know, but um, that's what happens when you get healthy. You end up having so many things to do with your time now. <laughs> um, yeah. But... And... And to speak to that, and I want to actually kind of point out something to um, this book actually over here that I have, The Body Keeps the Score. It's mm-hmm. a really great book, by the way. Um, one of the parts it's talking about trauma mm-hmm. and they're using, um, they're using uh, the vet, Vietnam vets as a reference because this is where they're starting to look at PTSD. This is where they started the diagnosis. But mm-hmm. one of the stories that this um, the author is saying is how um, the survivor's guilt that we're talking about is how these men were coming back and they weren't able to sleep as well. Mm-hmm. And they came into this you know, psych- psychiatrist saying, I can't sleep. He said, well, here, let me give you sleeping pills. I know this isn't mm-hmm. what we want to do, but just so that you sleep tonight mm-hmm. or this week, mm-hmm. let's do that. And then you're going to come in for therapy and we're going to you know, break things down and you know, use that tool. So he wasn't using that as like his go-to, but mm-hmm. just like, let's get you to sleep for this week. Sure. 
And the next time they came in, they didn't take the sleeping pills. And he asked them why. And because they felt so guilty, Mm -hmm. they didn't want to get better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I was listening to you talk just now about, you know, you know, not having the tools and, you know, letting yourself go down that rabbit hole of substance abuse. It's like you, you weren't allowing yourself to get better Mm -hmm. in some ways. And it's, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm really interested to learn more about in my own path about guilt and shame. And because I've made some huge revelations recently about how I've had so much shame Mm -hmm. in my past and how I've like recreated it in relationships. But um, yeah, but, but to, to go back to what you were just saying about, um, kind of where you are now mm-hmm. and these, these tools that you're actually utilizing, right. Mm-hmm. And these tools that you had when you were a kid, I mean, mm-hmm. when you're reading this, this meditation, yeah, meditation was, um, began before I came into, um, recovery. Um, yeah. So can I just ask yeah. a moment of like, what was that? Was there a moment that you were like, okay, it's time to get my shit together or was it a gradual thing? Um, where you, decided so it was to gradual, the but then there, there were a couple moments. There was a moment when, um, so I literally and figuratively, um, had to look into the mirror one day. I woke mm-hmm. up one morning and, um, in January of 2017 and, um, mm-hmm. woke up and just had a smile on my face. My <laughs> husband was in the bed and I was like, okay, it was a good night. You know, mm-hmm. he was my fiance at the time. And, uh, he looked pissed off and said, you don't know what happened last night, do you? And oh. I said, no, I don't. He said, go look in the mirror. And I had literally, there's a scar right here. I had a couple, um, I had several facial peels to try and remove the (laughs) scarring, but he watched me. Unfortunately, he couldn't catch me, but I had my hands in my pocket and fell, you know, I just basically, I suppose blacked out and went face first into brick stairs. And, um, so I started looking at myself. Wow. You literally looked <laughs> I literally mirror. had to look into the mirror. And so it was a couple weeks later wow. that I went into my first, um, you know, my first meeting um, and uh, um, through Alcoholics Anonymous. And, uh, but between that time, that um, middle end period of January to... Um, the middle of February, um, I remember looking at both my husband and my mom. My mom um, had, she came to visit us a couple different times during those few weeks. Um, and I remember looking at them and telling them things were going to change. Mm. Um, and my life was actually at a good point. Mm. But I, when I would when I looked at them and I told them things were changing and, you know, I'm going to do this, they were looking right through me and I could feel it. Like my words meant nothing to them anymore. Mm. And so I was looking in the mirror. I could feel that my words meant nothing. And also I could, I had this, I was able to play it forward to play like what was going on right in that moment. I could play it forward to see what was going to happen. And, I was back in school and I had tried to go back to school about a year and a half prior and um, I wasn't, I just, I was really in my disease at that time and lots of lies and lots of manipulation. I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do 
And I could see the same thing starting to happen. And I said, I cannot waste this time, this energy, this money. I can't build up these resentments and all these harms to other people anymore. Yeah. And um, to yourself. Exactly. Um, just add to the shame, you know? Yeah. So I, thankfully it was a miracle. I came into the rooms, but before I did that, like I said, I began meditating and I began going to yoga classes and that was what really, I think that was the slow progression into recovery. Mm -hmm. um, I was able to go back and sit with myself and I began liking myself again mm. um, and knowing that it's going to be okay. Yeah. I feel going back to your letter, I mean, and we spoke briefly about this, of um, how you're writing this letter to your, a little girl, mm -hmm. right? The little girl who's dealing with her parents being abusive. But then it shifts and it sounds like you're talking to you now Yeah. at the end. You know, mm -hmm. you say, remember the feeling, the sun on your arm with the windows down as you drove through the country roads in North Carolina. I was like, wait, that little girl never drove, <laughs> right? And then you just continue to go on and, and don't be alone. You're, um, don't be alone. Don't push. Don't leave. Stay. Look in the mirror and see the beautiful being inside, your beautiful being in peace of of peace and love, you are okay. And I felt because of, can you kind of brought it to this place of you saying that to you now? Mm -hmm. And now I, I, I didn't realize what this looking in the mirror was really you looking in the mirror and mm -hmm. seeing just the, the horror, you know, mm -hmm. you literally looked and your face was bleeding and you saw all of the trauma right there. And mm -hmm. And, you know, not even two years later, you're able to look in the mirror and see this beautiful being of peace and love. Yes. Wow. I think we have to remind ourselves always to, um, you had talked about, um, like letting go of the past, but, you know, it's important to, to see it too. And, um, it's important for me to, my day has to start out with truth and it starts by looking in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I brush my teeth every day and night and floss my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't always do that, you know, yeah. back then. So that's a ritual, so self-care ritual for you. Yeah. Yeah. And um, just reminding myself who I am and where I am. And it's that simple to look in the mirror. No longer do I... You know? It's simple for you now. Yes. Yeah, but it was a period of time that you know. I wouldn't turn on the light, like figuratively and literally. Again. Yeah. Um, again, all that shame and guilt. Yeah. But had I, you know, it's like you said, it's okay because I, I did use tools. I found solutions that helped me, you know, in that moment. And I'm here now. And that's part of the reason why we're, speaking here on this podcast is to anybody that's, you know, in any of these spaces, yeah. um, can hear a little bit of hope yeah, and know that they can turn it around. For sure. And I mean, you, you sent me a little snippet, an audio snippet the other night, and you were saying how gratitude has made a huge change in your life. Do you want to speak on that a little bit? 
Yes. Um, uh, um, so just every, it's, it's, it's amazing now it kind of has come second nature to me, but I think, um, uh, the love and kindness meditations really mm-hmm. played a huge part yeah, for I like me. Yeah, love and kindness too. Especially with relationships that were challenging. Oh, yeah. man. And the shift that it creates as you're like doing it for a little while. Yeah. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just so thankful that I look up now and I see, wow, look at these mountains that I live in, Mm. you know, and, um, I'm so grateful for everything that I have. I really, truly am. I take the moment to watch my dogs play and it fills me up with joy and, um, you know, anything. I love, I love the food that I put into my body and having so many, wonderful people around me, um, finding comfort in, you know, the nomad tribe, finding comfort in recovery in that community, finding comfort in, you know, um, other veteran organizations and just knowing that, um, really if I need anything, I can simply reach out. And Mm -hmm. so I think having gratitude has allowed me to understand as well that it's okay to ask for help. Mm. Um, you know, because I thought for a long time, well, that's not, I was told I had to be strong and I was like, yeah, I was patted on the back for being strong. Yeah. And that, you know, (laughs) I've heard, I, and I was the same in a lot of ways of, There's something, you know, and I said this, I think I spoke to this on my podcast about my story of like, there's something of like, oh, I got this. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, this like, oh, don't worry. Like there's chaos in my life. I've got this, but it's not giving you permission to not be strong. Mm -hmm. And especially when people who love you pat you on the back and say, you're so strong because now you were just, you know, maybe there was the time that you just wanted to crumble and that person before you could say it patted you on the back and said, you're so strong. And that took away that permission. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've experienced that, but I certainly have Absolutely. of having these moments of thinking, Oh, maybe this is the day. Maybe this is the day I'm going to break down and be vulnerable in front of this person. But they said that I've, you know, I'm so responsible and I, you know, they're, they admire me. And I was like, oh, I can't do it today. I don't want to break their heart. Um, it's, yeah. And there's like this whole thing of shame right there too of like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't let them down. It's so interesting. Yeah. I recognized yeah. Um, that the shame for me is definitely a theme throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Um, even when I was a little girl going to private school, you know, we were like one of the families that had the least yeah. monetarily wise and material wise. And my dad owned his own business and that's great, right? Isn't that like one of the American dreams to own <laughs> their own business? But here I am, this kid that's going to this fancy 
fancy yeah. school. And oh, by the way, it's Catholicism, right? So yeah, the God is. Oh, yeah, it's all about guilt. guilt and oh, my gosh. Good gracious. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's another yeah. podcast. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, I would ask my dad to drop me off, like, at the corner near the church rectory yeah. because I was afraid to be in his. In his car. Big work truck. Yeah. And you know, I've had to let go of, I think I had a resentment towards him. Mm-hmm. I don't now, thankfully, but a resentment towards him because of that. And, um, my parents just didn't have the, like, they didn't have the capacity, yeah. maybe the tools at the times to say, Hey, wait a minute. This is unhealthy. Like, no, it's okay. Yeah. We have so much more. I mean, we didn't have like a loving home, but <laughs> let's pretend we did for a moment. We have this loving home. No, but you I know, mean, but they you... didn't have that conversation with you. Right. And, you know, I, I So feel... that behavior was never like squashed. Yeah. yeah. I understand. I had, a, I feel, I feel like I was, you know, definitely one of the poorer kids in a very wealthy um, community yeah. back then. And, um, so I, I can feel, I feel that too, because I didn't really, we didn't have that conversation of, you know, I always, you know, got, and I, and it's so funny because I would get things like I wanted the name, name brands of yes. things and I didn't. Instead right. I got like this basic backpack <laughs> that my mom embroidered which is so beautiful. It had right. my name on it, but I was so embarrassed because it was like, no, that's going to make me look different. And now I think, where the hell is that backpack? <laughs> um, that exactly. was really cool. My mom embroidered this, <laughs> right? But there are the, these little things like, okay, I had a dysfunctional family and mm-hmm. you did too, but there were, I'm sure, these moments for you mm-hmm. that you knew that you were loved, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? You are saying like, oh, let's pretend, but you probably, totally. I'm sure I wouldn't you did. be the person than I am today without. Yeah. You had some sort of foundation, but, ah, and I actually wrote this down when I was listening to you talk. Um, and this is something I want to explore too, you know, being in the spaces in between, but you were talking about a paradox and, and these, like this personality of your parents, like knowing that they loved you yet they did these kind of horrible things. Right. And that can be really challenging for, for a child to understand what is good, what is bad, right? These are people that gave birth to you, you know, created you. They love you. You know that. You've seen them. But then they turn into monsters. Mm-hmm. And it, it is. It's a paradox. It's like, mm-hmm. how are you the same? It's not, there's not a black and white. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's a monster or she's a monster or this like, perfect mother father there's others this all this space in between is you know it's a they it's a have paradox. these stories they have their own stories right yeah and, of shame and guilt and resentment and anger and you know it's all layered on and and so it's it's very interesting to hear you were talking you know today right now and listening to a little bit of what you shared with me and other times but it is like there's no right or wrong and and actually, this is what um, the retreat is in Belize, is the clear reflections. Mm-hmm. And when I giggled when I looked at your letter, looking into the mirror, I was like, that's what we're going to do, oh, essentially. Yay. I mean, not physically look in the mirror, but, but look at how we can see each mm-hmm. other and how um, this understanding, and this was a huge thing that has shifted my perspective, is how everybody's my mirror. 
Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so when I can understand, when I can look and I can hear somebody else's story or when I'm about to give, this is a huge piece, is when I'm about to give advice <laughs> to somebody or say something negative about somebody, I'm always like, ooh, how is that me? Like, what is, what is that advice that I'm telling somebody that I need to, to hear? Or why am I saying that negative thing about a person? How is that me? Like, mm-hmm. why am I, how am I, why is that getting, because, you know, people do shitty things all the time, right. and, but they kind of like, don't bother me. But there's this one thing that this one person's doing. Why am I so annoyed? And it's usually like, because there's something inside of me that I haven't really dealt with yet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of bring it back to what we're talking about of just this personality, like we have so many layers to us and... um and I wrote a blog post just recently about shame too. I don't know if you you saw it, no. um, but I talk about like when I was younger, I had a mirror in front of me and a mirror behind me in the bathroom, and I'd always mm-hmm. like look to see all mm-hmm. these different, you know, when you see it bounces back. Yeah, yeah and I was like, I want to see all of me, all of the possibilities, and I. I feel like sharing each other's stories, we get to explore that too, like finding ourselves within other people's stories. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you have other things to share? What else do I have to share? Just that um, I think, you know, it's good to feel emotion. It really is. And it's good to ask the questions about, okay, what is this that I'm feeling? Being curious. Yes. Yeah. And it's fear, but what is it really? What am I scared about? Yeah. You know, because so sometimes like with my PTSD um, and when it was very um, much on the surface, um, very active, I guess, uh, you know, I'd act out in anger, but really I was scared. And what was I scared of? You know, that it was many things. A lot of it comes down to not being good enough, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, and, uh, but we all are going through things. And we all are. Ever, we're not too much unlike each other we're really not (laughs) no we have all of the all of these emotions resonate within every single person and I'm a firm believer too on what you're seeing and what's around you is what's within you I think we Mm -hmm. all have good and bad and it's just whether or not it the bad's turned up or whether or not the good's turned up and we all have the capability to do wonderful things it's it's the wolf you feed there's yes. the Native American um, story that I that's my my post of just you know he's the grandfather the grandson asked the grandfather you know um, about these two wolves he's talking about these two wolves and one is anger and resentment and you know all this you know and the and jealousy and and the other one is you know love and compassion and and joy and and the grandson asks well which one wins and he says whichever one you feed. Right. And it's true. I mean, we're, we're going to have those days where we're angry and we're resentful and we want to like ram our car into the next person for cutting us off or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. But like, which one are you going to feed today? You know, and there's a level of acknowledging it. Like you said, be curious and, and go, Oh, I feel pretty freaking angry right now. 
okay, let yourself sit with it and then, you know, choose to feed, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. not as a way of avoidance. Yes. Taking ownership and responsibility, which actually I recognized in your letter too. Um, (laughs) Keep going back to yours. It Um, all, it's all connected. Your letter is my letter. My letter is your letter. Um, (laughs) And you know, I, you talked a lot about like blame and Mm -hmm. I think at times I would also focus on when I thought I was doing work, like in Mm -hmm. therapy, when I thought I was doing, you know, really working through my crap, Mm -hmm. um, man, I would love to go back to some of those sessions and listen to me, but anyhow, um, I was blaming (laughs) everyone else and I wasn't looking at me and what I was doing and sure, I was definitely a victim in many yeah. instances, definitely, without a doubt. And that's that's okay to, to have that and to go through that. But then, you know, most instances, I played a part, you know. And so now taking ownership and really responsibility and knowing that, you know, you had um, written down on your notes the power of manifestation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really where I'm at now is just knowing that, okay, so I want this and I want that and I want this too. I have to put the time in. Mm. I have to, you know, do the legwork and no one else is going to do it but me. But I also... you have to show up for yourself. Exactly. And I have to really show up for myself so that I can do and serve other people in other capacities. Yeah. So that's going back to, you know... Just being, I really think that's so important for me is to go back to meditation and um, going back to um, yoga. It's been wonderful for me. It's opened my mind up and it's awakened me. Mm. I've allowed myself to let go of all those, well, not let go of all of them. That's a lifetime process, but the limiting thoughts. Always going to be, it's all going through a process. Yeah. And you said, um, I heard you say at some point too, of how it grounded you again. Like you were saying earlier, you just felt like you were floating this Mm -hmm. younger version of yourself and not feeling grounded. And just a little bit of time that I know you, you know, a year and a half or so, um, you seem so much more grounded. Mm-hmm. It's really been a joy to watch your process. Thanks. And be a part of it in some way. Thanks. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely am really proud to of you and for you and to know you. And it's really cool. And I hope that you keep sharing your story with us. Because every time I... I mean, I've heard a lot of the stuff that you talked about today. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think we were probably sharing it a year ago today in Bali mm-hmm. at the big big wooden table. Yeah. Um, it was probably a year ago <laughs> today that, that we're recording this. and um, to, But to hear it again and knowing more about you, mm-hmm. it's just... I'm just more in admiration of like how far you've come you know, that little girl (laughs) to, you know, 2017 when you decided to be sober to, you know, when I met you and then to, to now, you know, you've, you might not feel that, that, but, or maybe you have, or maybe Mm -hmm. you have glimpses of it, but you are really, um, have accomplished a lot. Thanks. So, Yeah. Thanks, Nomad, but to for like, holding this space. <laughs> and to let go of the expectations too, right? Yeah. As we say. Like, so you've really set your intention to um, go out there and make the best of your life with gratitude and 
but uh, also letting go of, you know, being gentle with yourself and kind. And I see that in you. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah. I, I want to um, mention, I, I, so Pema Chodron, mm-hmm. um, if, I you know, the listeners Pema. haven't heard of her, so another person teachings that you can listen to yes. be wherever you are and um, know that we just don't have to suffer. You know, we do it to ourselves. And yeah. if we can surrender, I think yeah. we mentioned surrender in um, the other podcast, but that's really all I'm doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, it's like the serenity prayer, you know, God grant me the serenity to, um, oh my gosh, <laughs> God grant me the serenity to um, accept what I cannot change, to change what I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, I say that usually on a daily basis, and I just have like this brain. <laughs> it's a little extra. It's mess, a little but, extra pressure with a microphone. Yeah, in exactly. Face. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, thanks for thanks for that uh, um, excuse. But you know, just knowing what you can change and what you can control, yeah. and it's really our thoughts and our behaviors. Yeah. But that's freaking hard. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It's a process. And actually, it's funny because I just finished reading her book again, The Places That Scare You. Okay. <sighs> yeah. That was like big, Is that a fat... horse? <laughs> What's that? Is that a horror book? <laughs> no. It was a big mirror in front of my face. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's look at this. So, um, yeah. Anyways, she's every book she has is, and any, any teaching you can get a, of Pema's is just like little jewels of Buddhist wisdom. Um, yeah. Thank you for thank sharing you. your story and thank being you. super vulnerable. Thank and, you for asking me. Yeah. I'm honored. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll talk to you all soon. Sayonara. <laughs> Bye. Thanks so much for listening to our second episode of The Space in Between with Jessica. I hope you enjoyed her story and what she has to offer you guys. Um, If you enjoyed it, please rate us and subscribe. We are here at iTunes or Spotify. So let us know what you think and and keep getting these episodes delivered to you. Um, We will have next week a tool to help you get through your own space in between. And if you want to learn more about what we have going on in Nomadland, please visit us at nomadalwaysathome.com. There's more information about the teacher training that's happening over at West Point, uh, Tribe, and our other offerings. We've got a yoga retreat happening in Costa Rica this winter, Om and the Osa, which is February 28th through March 4th. And I will be leading this full of yoga, movement, writing, meditation, and lots of time and space to relax or go explore the beautiful Osa, the jungles and the beaches. And um, my friends in the Hudson Valley, I am really excited to to introduce my new movement class that's going to be happening for a three-week series at the new studio Bar, Body, and Soul in New Windsor. Um, My friend, my very, very dear friend Ashley is opening up the studio. It's been eight years at least in the making for her, and I'm excited and honored to share my new movement class, which is just a new way of connecting to your body and realigning with your own intentions. And we'll be playing a lot between um, movement and stillness 
And this is a lot of what has come from my own movement background as a dancer, as a yoga teacher, Pilates, and all the other movement explorations that I've done over the years. And really what the mission is to just bring you back to your own core being and enliven you to move with your own inner beats again. So um, stay tuned next week. I'll have more details or again, go visit nomadalwaysathome.com. Thank you. See you next week.